gendered issue for all women. Hello, Jen here to tell you about this week's episode of The Sunday Chops. So, it's January, you might have some New Year's resolutions to go and get a bit fitter or something like that. Perhaps you're thinking about dusting off your bicycle and using that as your method of commuting to work. Or maybe you just fancy a little poodle around the park. Well, fortunately for you, in this week's episode we are chatting to Vanessa Hammock, comedian and co-founder of the Croydon Cycle Theatre, alongside Amy Foster, co co-founder who is also a trustee for the london cycling campaign and a primary school teacher busy huh we chatted to them about cycling the politics as well as the practicalities and how the croydon cycle theater is helping people to get out and enjoy more green spaces and a bit of art along the way now we do make a couple of slightly negative observations in this podcast about cycling that is But to reassure you, I genuinely believe the pros massively outweigh the cons and there's heaps of info coming up to help you get started if you've been itching to get on your bike. Just to let you know that you can catch Vanessa hosting Bullpen Comedy at 2 North Down in London on January the 22nd. Meanwhile, Amy will be hosting a Healthy Streets for All event also in London on January the 18th. You can find out more info by following them on Twitter they are at Amy Foster with a zero instead of an O and at Amic, which is A-M-M-I-C-K. And don't forget, you can also get tickets to our next London show, which is on Valentine's Day. Lovely stuff. And just announced, our lineup will be political commentator Aisha Hazarika, God, I love her, and Pauline McLean. Ah, go on. Sorry, Irish people. For more info on that, including where to get your tickets from, visit www.standardissuepodcast.com. And for now, here's Vanessa and Amy. We are joined by comedian and co-founder of the Croydon Cycle Theatre, Vanessa Hammock, and the other co-founder, primary school teacher and trustee of the London Cycling Campaign, Amy Foster. Hello, guys. Hello. Hi. <laughs> and I should also say Hannah is in the room as yeah. well. Um, I am. She is. So you guys have come in to talk to us about, well, about cycling and that. But first of all, can I ask you, please, what is the Croydon Cycle Theatre? Okay, so Croydon Cycle Theatre was Amy's idea. She went and saw a cycling theatre tour run by Omnibus. Yeah, I think they used to do it annually. They used to have like a sort of family cycle ride and they'd have a sort of Christmas one. And the one we saw was a Midsummer Night's Dream. And basically they took us around sort of Clapham Common and along the way there'd be performers doing little bits of the show and having small children and living in Croydon feeling like I couldn't really do the things I used to do pre-children and knowing that Vanessa was a you know outdoor theatre practitioner I just thought maybe I could persuade her to come down and do something very similar yeah so we, we do like performances around Croydon and the audience are all on bikes and then you go around and we watch like performers in different areas so we've done like ghost stories and we've done the stories of the suffragettes. Uh, I live in Cambridge. They do a similar thing in the summer with the punts. Yeah. They'll stop at oh, her bank lovely. and they'll have an act. Act one is at this bank and then act two is Oh, on. that's so yeah. nice. Uh, I don't know if they do them really regularly, but they do do stuff like that. Yeah. And I, because it makes theatre way more engaging, yeah. I think, for people who think that theatre's just yeah, we, we want down. To, yeah, exactly. We want to engage people with cycling and theatre. And the great thing with taking people out on a group, because Croydon's not, I wouldn't say it's particularly cycle friendly. The roads are quite busy. People aren't used to seeing cycling cyclists in the way that they are in central London so 
the courtesy between cyclist and driver isn't necessarily there. But when you're a big group and there's 20 or 30 of you together, you feel a lot more secure. We have ride leaders who will direct you where to go, which is so lovely. Like if you're cycling a new route and you don't have to keep on checking your map, Mm. you're just following the person in front of you, you can enjoy the cycle experience in a whole different way. And then because... Croydon has actually got really nice parks for cycling through, but people might not necessarily know the routes. And it's just a way of like enhancing the leisure ride experience. So instead of you thinking, like, oh, we're just in Wandle Park, it's like, yes, but we're going to go this way around Wandle Park and there's going to be an actress waiting to tell you a ghost story. It just raises the, the leisure experience of it. So is the idea to both kind of, you know, get people interested in theatre or go and watch the theatre, but also to sort of encourage them to get on their bike, take up cycling. Absolutely. And also, I think, as Vanessa said, it can feel quite lonely sometimes if you live somewhere where you don't really see other people on bikes very much. And so sort of getting people together and sort of reminding yourself that you do have your clan, as it were, or, you know, other people that are interested in something similar sort of makes you feel a bit more positive I suppose about the whole thing and a bit less isolated yeah and it's really sociable as well there are quite a lot of organized bike rides which are a fantastic way of socializing and very often you will stop at a coffee shop or something like that so you can actually talk to the people that you're with because you wouldn't necessarily do that while you're riding and this is just a way of kind of making the social interaction much more a frequent part of the ride and we've definitely found it really appeals to a lot of different people who just really want to have cycling but also a big social engagement and just something really different do you get people who maybe meet going to these events? Do you get people who meet and then maybe like go and hang out afterwards and go on rides together and stuff? Definitely, definitely. Like get married. <laughs> yeah, get I'm married for love. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. And one thing that's really common f- since we started is people will ask for a map of the route because we, we've done rides which have pretty much been completely through parks or very quiet back street roads and people didn't know that these routes existed in Croydon and that they can actually cycle all the way into the town centre without going on a main road and we didn't realise when we first began that people might want a copy of the route but now that's something that we will always provide because people really like to do the rides again gives them confidence once they've done it once with us they feel like okay I know the way now so I am a cyclist don't know if I've mentioned it before. Uh, I have mentioned it quite a lot. I'm not going to say it again. And Hannah, you are you are a motorist. Yes. And indeed a pedestrian. A pedestrian, yes. In Cambridge, which is pretty big on bikes. Yeah. There's some politics here. Oh, there? definitely. I mean, there's more, yeah. I mean, yeah. Cambridge has more than politics. It's been like a 20-year war in mm-hmm. the time that I've lived there between cyclists and drivers. Mm. And the sad news on that is that actually nobody gives a shit about pedestrians. And I, I always think they get the, the the rough end of the stick. Conversely, I would say, as a cyclist in London, I don't know what it's like in Cambridge, to be fair. After I got back from America, I felt less safe cycling in London than I did cycling in Texas, mm. which should not be the case. Because no. there are not that many cyclists in Texas, it probably won't yeah. surprise you to hear. But the roads are really big, so you get a lot of space, but and there's no pedestrians anywhere. So you don't get people like walking out in front of you all the time. And I guess because America is such a sort of litigious country, drivers are quite careful of you because they don't want you to sue them if they run you over and things like that. So, yeah, I found London like a very weird place to cycle afterwards. I mean, periodically I'd see people texting while cycling and you just think, oh, for the love of God... I'm almost impressed by that. I don't know how you would even manage it. Smoking while cycling, I'm really impressed by. When I see people do that, just I'm like, what is your lung capacity like? But for the most part, but I do see other drivers treat cyclists terribly and and it worries me. But on the other hand, I think a couple of bad cyclists 
end up giving all cyclists mm. a bad name, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I agree with you. And and I have more, more anecdotes <laughs> on that. So I think being a female cyclist yeah. as well, there are sort of quite specific politics to that as well certainly there definitely are i think what we we try to do is move away from using terms like cyclists and motorists and pedestrian because all of us tend to be at least two of those absolutely it's definitely structural the the differences between how they operate and what they want from the roads i do get it from all points of view i've been a pedestrian and then a bike has cut across me really quickly and it's really taken me by surprise and i think i'm really aware you know bikes are really quiet yeah people aren't looking out for them they don't expect them we're also not taught to see the roads as a place for bikes we're taught to see them as a place for cars mm. and we're brought up in schools from so early being told cars are dangerous cars are dangerous and it gives us this kind of fearful respect of cars and their right to be on the road and we don't give cyclists that same like respect we don't have it bred into us there's no vulnerability is there that's the thing I, that always surprises me is that it feels like pedestrians in sort of built up areas of london have no sense of vulnerability when it comes to cyclists that they could be hurt yeah or that the cyclists could be hurt i suppose like going back to the earlier points about you know it's kind of like labels it's Ooh. that thing of you know for like most of last year i really was sort of like woman pushing pram yeah i really wasn't on my bike or in a car but actually i was walking next to my daughter who just learned to ride a bike and those things about walking and feeling like really as yeah, someone on foot, you are like so at the bottom of the kind of food chain yeah. on the streets that even finding safe places to cross the road was such a challenge. They, it does feel like we do need to sort of think about sort of like bigger, bigger issues around sort of the way our towns and communities yeah. are planned. And it's just so unfortunate that in many places it's really hard to visualize what a kind of safe street or sort of mm. like somewhere where you might see yeah. children playing out as you know we did when we were younger yeah I mean I I don't know about about London but the part of the problem uh, in Cambridge and I would say that's on on like in 20 years like three three instances where I've been hit by a bike is that it is a city that sells itself Uh as being bike friendly and it is Mm. because it's very flat and it's a, a city that has a lot of tourism and I think people arrive and they hire bikes and they yeah. get on the road and yeah. they have no fucking clue what the rules of those the roads are. And I have to say, I went yeah. to, I, I mean, I've been to a few different places in the UK in my search for somewhere nice to go cycling with children. And again, you're like, oh, Cambridge. Like, it's like where everyone cycles in the UK. And then you get there, you're like, yeah. oh, it's all right. It's, yeah. not, it's not. It's a tiny medieval city with really small here. roads. Yeah. And it's actually yeah. quite dangerous. And yeah, like, yeah. yeah, really like streets that are, yeah. you know, really just for people on foot. And, yeah. Yeah, and then you're just like, this is just not. Okay, and then you're probably like so far ahead of us though in Cambridge where you think about in Croydon, I think they say about 2% of people cycle regularly. Oh, really? And so you'll be like the only person on the road, on a journey, on your bike. And so it is very much like decades, I think, behind that kind of image in Cambridge. And even behind central London, you know, riding in here today and the kind of differences I see is... Did you ride here now? Did you, did you I, come to Old Street? Uh, through, me. Yeah, through work. I wouldn't cycle on Old Street. I didn't come through the roundabout if that makes you feel better. Good. <laughs> Especially <laughs> at the moment. That Jesus that Christ. Roundabout, that roundabout's really dangerous. In the time yeah. that we've been recording mm. here, two people have died on that roundabout. Yeah, on it's, yeah it's, mm. it's a horrific. bit of a hideous Yeah, spot. in really yeah. similar accidents. Yeah. It's awful. I think it definitely... I was starting to look at cycling and then because this is what happens in Croydon as well. Like while we've been doing this, we've both trained as ride leaders and as cycling instructors. 
so more and more learning more and more about how the roads work and your awareness of the roads being good for cycling increases at the same rate as you start thinking about driving and how it can work really well for driving and also how it can work for pedestrians and I think our work has actually really branched out whereas it's quite rare for me to just talk about the roads being and how they are for cycling like we're very much more likely I think to talk about pedestrians as well and just like living streets and open spaces and how they can accommodate all their different uses Mm. because all are so important to be honest when I see a cyclist especially when I'm stuck in a traffic jam I think that's one less car that is is in this traffic jam with me and I can't I can't understand why other people don't see that but I'm so pleased you say that yeah Yeah, Yeah. I'd say like for us I say a lot of what we do is probably just about sort of trying to create community and sort of you know build interactions between people and I don't know if you've ever visited Croydon. I have. It's obviously like quite notorious for the fact that when the town centre was redeveloped, it really was about creating those sort of like auto car. Mm. You know, like the aim was to have the sort of motorway flying through the town centre. We've still got this bit of it, and it does mean that it does feel quite strange to sort of walk around in that it's not very nice and it's quite busy. And so, sort of finding those human spaces are really the ones that we've sort of tried to look for yeah and when you do find those human spaces they are so lovely like I think you're really aware if you're right next to a busy road or a busy roundabout that really has an impact on you and it can feel quite tense Mm. Mm. very often it'll be a new development and it will have a pedestrianized area in the middle of it and they will have put out seating and um, trees and some plants and it's just such a different environment and I think we're just trying to look at I think it's really about reclaiming the roads and not just assuming, oh, they have to be used for cars, but actually saying, actually, does this road have to be used for cars? Could it be closed completely? Could it be shut down? Could it be remodelled? And it, the the example that we have right on our doorstep is, of course, in Walthamstow, where they've really re-renovated mm. it and really done a lot of work on creating Mini mm. Holland. I think employers mm. have to be on board, don't they? I yeah. mean, we've, yeah. we've got some big companies up, again, where I live, that have actually built specific cycle tracks from the centre of town to where they are for their staff in an attempt to increase the number of people that are cycling to work. Because, I mean, outside of that, good for the environment, it's good for people's health, and, you know, it is reducing the amount of traffic and the... People don't do that. Hey, I'm four hours late for work because I was no. all snarled up in traffic. Might get punctured though. Oh, yeah. Oh but apparently, yeah, you're less likely to be off work sick, apparently, if you cycle to work regularly. Oh, wow. So there is definitely a win-win for employers. I think one of the most successful events we did in a way was when we were in the, the market. So one of the bits of Croydon that is sort of pedestrianised is Surrey Street Market. It's like one of the oldest bits of the town. And Vanessa had a tent, didn't you, the pop-up theatre? Yeah, we did it with um, Zuko Theatre organised it, which is a theatre company who are based in Croydon. And one of the great things about that doing performance in this completely pedestrianised space is the audience you get are totally different to an audience you ever get inside a theatre. There are people from all over the world. And the play was about, um, because we'd done a research trip to the Netherlands. And so it was about Arnhem, which is our twin town. So we did a story, Twin Town. So we did a story about um, the Second World War and some of the things that had had happened there because there were some very touching stories because it was, it was such an awful battle that they Operation had. Operation Market yeah. Garden was yeah. exactly wasn't it? Yeah, exactly, and it was really catastrophic. And some of the people that we were performing for at the end, they were like, "Oh, we're refugees," and this just really re- resonated with us. I was like, "My God!" Like if we had done this in a normal theatre I don't think we ever would have been able to entice you in and having that pedestrianised environment and really making the most of the space and really thinking about how you can use that 
very public space was really nice, wasn't yeah. it? And it was freezing cold. It was so cold. We did it in December. But we served, like, hot cups of tea and we had, like, cushions and blankets so people could come and have a sit down. And that's another thing that using theatre with the, the cycling works really well because I think people... We quite like doing events in, like, autumn and late winter, early spring and showing that you can get out even while it's still quite cold but trying to make it more entertaining and just taking people on leisure cycling rides all year round. I'm not wanting to do the, the labelling thing because obviously you guys are trying to avoid that and I can see why it makes sense, it does make sense but I feel as a female cyclist that I have had a lot of, I'm going to say animosity, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like when the man called me a fucking twat, which he screamed in my face, that was nice. From, from other He was cyclists. a cyclist, yeah. yeah, so some of the worst abuse I've had as a female <laughs> cyclist is from male cyclists. Well, I, a cycl- male cyclist punched my car once. Really? It punched my car and I thought, I'm going to let you do that because you're going to do way more damage to your fist than you would ever do to my car. That's really bad, though. I would imagine there should be solidarity between Yeah, and it was, was, um, and I had not done anything wrong. It was his fault. But basically, he obviously felt more entitled to space on the road than I did. Were you going too slowly? No, basically. Well, that has happened before where I've gone too slowly and right. I've been shouted up. And I, I used for too that. slowly advisedly. Yeah. I yeah. too slowly well, I didn't him, skip a red light, <laughs> which upset him because I stopped him from skipping the red light. So I was a fucking dickhead or whatever because mm. I'd not done that. And I'd sort of said, you know, just I'm quite new to this, mate, just being a bit cautious. And he was like, rah, rah, rah. I was like, what a dick. Anyway, but yeah, no, the most recent one I had was, um, there was like a crossroad and... I was going along and he was going too fast and he wasn't holding his fucking handlebars. And he was like a middle, like, you know, an oldish guy in a suit, basically. Uh, He wasn't holding his handlebars, he was going too fast and then he didn't spot me and then he spotted me and he shouted, you fucking twat at me. It was completely his fault. It was 100% his fault. He just did not want to have to slow down and you know, give someone else room. So I'd say, unfortunately for me, all those experiences that are very similar have happened largely with the person who's been in a vehicle. I don't know if you've heard that, you know, Chris Boardman, obviously, Olympic cyclist, yep. yeah. is now the sort of active travel commissioner in Manchester, and he sort of said, well, you know, some people are dickheads and they're going to be a dickhead yeah. no matter what yeah. they're travelling or on. Yeah. And we shouldn't not make space for cycling because of these people. However, it is really intimidating being a woman on a bike sometimes, like, and especially when I have, like, children as well, people yeah. who, still shout and you think I'm actually I am actually in the right here but you know yeah I think there's like this automatic response that you're doing something really transgressive I think by being on a bike and so they'll just sort of yeah I mean a perfect example of this my next door neighbor who rides everywhere she was knocked off her bike recently she was on the going along the road uh, in a residential area somebody pulls off their driveway into the road just reverses straight into her and knocks off oh her bike gosh. Jesus Christ now the point is she could have been a pedestrian. She could have been yeah. you pushing a buggy. Mm. She could have been on the pavement. Who just pulls off their driveway right. and doesn't look? Mm. That person is a prick regardless of whether yes. or not they hit a cyclist or hit, you know, yeah. whoever. Could have just driven into another car. So, yeah, I absolutely agree that. And worth saying, he was not particularly even. I was right? like, did you? No, I mean, she, no, she wasn't all right. But she did she's, that thing where she came home because yeah. she didn't want to. She didn't want to be with it. And she also yeah. didn't want to be near that guy anymore. Yeah. So you got on and limped off. Hello, Hannah here. 
Just wanted to let you know that if you like what we do, you can help us by rating and reviewing us on iTunes. It really does help, especially if you give us five stars. Did that sound threatening enough? Give us five stars. I think it's funny, there's there's so much aggression on the roads and I think we all know that it really has to be reduced. But um I've definitely like changed so much with my cycling. Like I think I used to really think like, you know, if I'm in, in a cycle lane I've I've got the right to be there and this is where I should be and I'm so not like that at all anymore. Because I get it, if you're a pedestrian, like cycle lanes aren't easy to spot. Like you can wander out into one and you don't necessarily mm. know it's there and and it's Amy who I think's really encouraged me to do this but now I'm really really gentle with everyone even if it is completely their fault and they've stepped out in front of me like I'm always looking I always have my fingers covering my brakes and I want people to feel oh cycles are safe on the road like I don't need to fear people who are cycling they can see me they will they will stop and accommodate me and we all need to accommodate each other on the roads it's so important and we really do have this idea of like right of way and entitlement mm. which is just not appropriate for a shared space and maybe that's no. less about diversity around who's cycling as well because obviously all the statistics yes. show that in london yeah. far fewer women are cycling than men and so really? perhaps if we mm. did get sort of gender certain... parity and you know there were far more slower cyclists if there were more people with cargo bikes the whole speed of things might slow down like the kind of interactions might change but at the minute the commuting demographic is very much is very like middle class white male dominated Mm -hmm. and i do think oh dare i say it there is perhaps a certain sense of entitlement (laughs) that goes with that demographic yeah we've learned a lot from there's an academic called dr rachel aldred who's very good at sort of getting all the evidence around you know our perceptions of who is cycling and what is actually happening and that's been really helpful for us but what statistic I think is really like one that's really stood out is the fact that in the Netherlands <coughs> the kind of group that does most cycling is actually like women in their 50s or 60s. 60s I remember a few years ago I spotted that one of the on Instagram one of the like pelvic floor accounts was talking about how get on your bike because if you are like struggling with around the menopause or post childbirth actually cycling is really good no low impact method of getting around it's easier than walking, as many people say. However, you don't want it to be stressful and aggressive and no. in, intense. It's got to be inviting. No, and, and I suppose that what's missing with that that age group is possibly yeah. you know in a slightly. I mean, it's not that much older yeah. than me, but in a slightly sort of more more old fashioned. The generation before yeah. women didn't actually drive that much. Yeah. my mum didn't. My mum yeah. doesn't drive. My mum went everywhere on a bicycle with us on a seat on the back yeah. of it. And she didn't even take us out of it. She'd just go in the shop and just lean it up against the glass <laughs> window. And Don't you move. just <laughs> in the back and hope for the best. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and and you would be in the back. And I think about it now, and I think, Jesus, how dangerous that would be, because there's a lot more traffic on the road than yeah. there, was, mm. there was then to have two of us on the back of a bike. Two but, of you? Yeah. On the back of a bike? Well, you just need the right there. bike if you are interested in family cycling. There's yeah. like a whole like internet community with all the kind of variations you can get on like how to fit multiple children on one bike. Amy's got a pretty fantastic setup. Haven't uh, you? It is from Cambridge. <laughs> it is a, a tandem, so that yeah. can fit two children on the back. But I saw someone as well commented that apparently the new Land Rovers, the kind of like enormous ones, you can't fit three children in the back because I think of like the kids' bike seats. Whereas if you have a cargo bike, yeah. someone was saying, oh, ironically. My neighbours were suggesting that I could give their kids a lift if they needed to go anywhere because they couldn't fit it in their massive car. Why the How? fuck did you have a Land Rover that you couldn't fit? I, I know, and if like you had three children, that yeah. would be like a bit That's of a so error. <laughs> but, um, so where can people find out more about that kind of thing? 
So I'd say that if you are interested, there is a Facebook group called Family Cycling UK. There are all sorts of different blog spots as well that you can... And it's also possible to borrow the equipment, like that, that yeah, library. Yeah, I think in Hackney, in Hackney there's Hackney. a family cycling library and there's a few different so you can Yeah, you can test out having like a cargo bike or something like that, see if you like it before you commit to buying. Day trip ha- to Cambridge, wander around, uh-huh. see what you can yeah. see. <laughs> so, well, okay then. So if we're back in Cycling City that I live in, um, tell me how common it is to get your bike nicked in London or how difficult it is to stop that. I feel like it's pretty common. It's definitely happened mm. to me a yeah. few times. But it's there are... To me certain things that you can really do that really help so um i would never pop my bike anywhere isolated now yeah using uh the smallest d-lock that you can find so that it can't be crowbarred off uh using chains proper those really thick heavy chains but ideally bring your bike inside (laughs) yeah bring your bike inside i mean i only have a cheap bike so if it gets stolen that's my choice yeah i, I, I don't it. mind i mean i don't much. ride that much but i do have a bike and i only have a really cheap one because i've had two bikes nicked and it's it's so painful yeah. we've had my family we've lost two bikes over the summer the first time was when we were in berlin like miles from home my husband's bike was yeah they just cut the cut the cable at the station and then the second time we left my daughter's bike outside the house oh i, bet, I, I think you had another bike stolen from your garden shed Oh, that was a few years ago, yeah. Someone yeah. climbed over yeah. the fence into our garden, pulled the roof felt off the shed and then lifted yeah. the bike out. Really so I think at bike. some point, if someone really wants it, there's probably not much you can do. So insurance would be yeah. my top tip. Yeah. <laughs> also, yeah. with insurance, read it really, really, really carefully because some of the policies are mad. Like, just yeah. having it in your house isn't enough. You have to have it locked up some, somewhere, like, in your house and things like that. So, so do possibly, read like, it very possibly, like, you can get, like, specialist bike insurance yeah. that yeah. maybe helps. But, yeah, other ones... But if it's just your better. contents insurance, just, uh, yeah. yeah, just read it very carefully. Also, another thing you can do, I don't know if you can do it everywhere, but certainly in London, the police have a sort of bike registration yeah. scheme, mm-hmm. so they can yeah. have it invisibly marked kind of thing so it can be identified Oh, we used to yours. do those when we were at the paper. We, they their periodically have a roundup where they'd go around and try and find all of operate they call it operation something operation, o- operation bike. bike rustlers or something. <laughs> and they would, they'd go and try and find and they would always find like i mean but some bikes in cambridge they reckon are actually just nicked and they're nicked from yes. the person who nicked them and they're just like in a cycle yeah, of yeah. being mm. well a literal cycle of being stolen there are really really legitimate um people that you can buy bikes secondhand from is it pedal my wheels is he yeah. the second hand salesman so they're just really good companies so if you wanted a second hand bike and you want to get it cheaper if you go to someone reputable yeah. so you make sure that you're not kind of f- fueling that trade the bikes that they sell are like slightly more expensive but the reason they're a bit more expensive is because the profits go to refugees it's the bike project, oh, the bike project oh. and amazing, again they're yeah. just you know give us your unwanted bikes and either if we can't quite sell it we'll have at least trained someone on how to sort of refurbish a bike yeah. and then we'll use it for cycle training but yeah, it's quite yeah, amazing what people give... think is junk sometimes. Yeah. After eight weeks of um, training a refugee, they'll give them a bike. So if your bike's resellable, they'll sell it to make profits for the charity. Oh, cool. And if not, then a refugee will get it. But they're fully refurbished. New brakes, new gears, new saddle, everything. They're amazing. That is the great thing. I had to have mm. a, when I had to have a brake put on my bike and I went in and I was like, I haven't, hadn't been on my bike. Like I said, I don't ride it that much. I was like, fuck. First time I go out in ages and like, ding, mm. and the brake goes. I went in and it cost me two pounds. Yeah, wow. and it was just oh, like, so, oh for God's so sake! Good. There was me like, how much is it going to be? Yeah. How much is it going to be? Because that's how you are with cars. Yeah. yeah, it can be so intimidating when you've got yeah. that rusty bike in the shed and you just think, oh, yeah. oh God, you can't even bear to look at it. Both the tires are flat. Yeah. But there's so many services. There's like Doctor Bike. There's 
different organizations yeah. and groups there's special events that go on like if you just have a quick google you can also get cycle lessons mm. so most if you contact your local council you can normally have like a two-hour session twice with a cycling instructor and they can come and do your commute with you so they they will go and cycle it they'll work out the safest way to do it and then they'll take you through it show you show you it and teach you your commute and it's completely free for you and they're paid so it'd be free for you yeah. yeah it's it's a great time to get into cycling mm. because it's being promoted a lot because we've got such a massive air pollution problem mm. across the whole country and it's you know obviously especially in the big cities like london and also for climate change it's one of the yeah. quickest ways of reducing emissions is getting just as many people on bike or on foot as possible and so it's a great time to get into it if anybody wants to although um vanessa obviously took her show up to edinburgh this year and that was partly about cycling the bike clash is real amazing advocate for cycling please just get on your bike and then yeah, like, I thought I was being paranoid that like people hate cyclists, and so once I like asked my audience, I was like, "Oh, like I've had this paranoid idea that people hate cyclists." So, like, put your hands up. Nearly everyone put their hands up to confirm that they did indeed hate cyclists. So, I mean, like, I, 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 I'm not paranoid. <laughs> I have the most immense respect for anyone who would attempt to ride a bike around Edinburgh City that's basically yeah. vertical. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I couldn't imagine. I think it's guilt. It's it's a reminder that they should get out of their car and yeah. get on a bicycle. I agree I mean, with you. Yeah. I, I think also you get you get shit when you're running as well. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I get a lot of shit mm. from... It's the same as when people give up road smoking. Users. Yeah. And other people yeah. get weird with them because they've yeah. given up smoking. People don't like it when other people yes. do stuff yeah. that they know they should be doing. Them. So you've been talking about some of the stuff in your show that you used in Edinburgh, your Edinburgh debut. Edinburgh debut, guys. This summer. <laughs> can you yes. tell us a little bit more about that? I, I really wanted to think about how I can make a show that touched on cycling without it being just for cyclists. I didn't want to just attract a cycling audience. So I talked a lot about my dad because my dad was very passionate about cycling and has really encouraged me into it. And he, you know, I've got a wonderful picture when he was in the fire brigade and he went on a seven man tandem that they built themselves. Mm. But he was also a cab driver and he was a fire engine driver when he was in the fire brigade. So he really does. He just loves driving. And that's actually one of the things with the early cyclists uh, the in the late 19th century when cycling was just coming out as a new thing all those people went on to become motorists and they you know if you were a cycle enthusiast you would be a motorcar enthusiast because it was just about the speed and what you could achieve it's a thing. Yeah. yeah so it is quite natural that they go together and it's it's weird that we we separate the two so i made the show very heavily about my dad and about you know me trying to live up to his passionate desire to have a son to whom yeah. he could teach everything and then being lumpered with me and my sister who are both complete scaredy cats about all of these kind of things but we try we try our hardest so I talked a lot about that and then tried to be quite light with the cycling politics because it is such a emotive issue for people but I just think there are so many assumptions that we don't really think about like like the way we do take for granted that the roads are for cars and that a road is a unmovable immutable thing whereas really roads are very very flexible and we can use them in different ways and I want us to embrace that and I think also people don't realize like how serious air pollution is how many people are dying of air pollution related causes every year and so I touched on um, topics like Ella Roberta Kissy Deborah who um, her mother Rosamond is doing a lot of campaigning about clean air because her daughter died when she was only nine years old and it is really, really sad. Yeah. yeah. Is that recently? Yeah, I think it's 2013. So, yeah, but the reason it's ongoing is I think it's just this year that she got the Attorney General to change the cause of death on the death certificate to say that it was air pollution because she had really severe asthma. And they were able to link yeah. when she had 
asthma attacks that hospitalise her to spikes in air pollution. And so... You can see it in London. You can walk around on a hot day. You can literally see... You can taste it. It's everything. It's awful. It's awful, yeah. I believe it's about 4,000 people a year in the UK die prematurely because of air pollution. It's a massive issue and a, a big problem. And you can see, you know, the Mayor of London is really trying to take action on it because we have to take action on it. We exceed safe levels Ooh. so early and on in the year. Brexit, guys. There's probably yeah. going to be literally no one to hold us accountable no. anymore. So, um, yeah, terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Every, it always comes back to this. I know, I know. Sorry, <laughs> I'm not, I've, I've made it about Brexit again. So are you going to be doing the show... Again? Yes, I haven't got anything firmed up yet, but I think in the new year I'm going to be doing it again then. And we're going to get some more projects going in Croydon, um, creating different routes for different cycling events down there. And then maybe something outside of Croydon as well. Yeah. So where can we find out more about what uh, you guys are up to? Okay, yeah, so you can find us on Instagram on, at Cycle Theatre, or we have a website as well, croydoncyclethatre.co.uk. Great. Awesome. Thanks very much, guys. Thank you very much. Hello, Mickey here to tell you how you can find out more about us. And that is if you want to follow us on Twitter. Standard Issue is at Standard Issue UK. I'm at Mixed Noonan. Hannah is at That Dunleavy. And Jen is at Inspira Jen. And you can find out more about our views, opinions and general nonsense if you follow us over there. Look forward to having a natter. Standard issue for all women.